Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious afternoon in the best little city in America, also known as, a.k.a. Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where we will spend a bit of time here, a couple hours, two hours, right up till the five o'clock, engaging in some energetic and entertaining conversation on local state National news and politics. Uh, we've got some daredevil action going on later. Uh, you know, some music, uh, just some general chatting, you know, just to kind of pass away this steamy Tuesday afternoon. Uh, and it is steamy. I rode my bike to work today around town, taking care of some things, and it is steamy out there, but it feels good. Feels good. I like the I like the heat. Uber producer Dan Peters is in the studio with us today and that's the way we like it thanks for spending some time with us whether you're driving around listening to information 1000 ksoo you probably got the windows rolled up with the air conditioner on i hope you have air conditioning you know you can live without it but when you're in the car it's kind of miserable you might be streaming live out there on ksoo.com or on the ksoo mobile app the must-have ksoo mobile app download it now on your favorite platform Remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live or on our Twitter account at P-L-L-E Show, P-L-A-L-L-E-Y Show. Uh, speaking of the heat, though, Dan, uh, and the sun and, and the beating down of the sun and all, uh, uh, we thought, uh, the JP and I thought that it might be uh, a good, you know, I just realized that JP also, Justice of the Peace, which is appropriate, I think, in this, in this particular uh, instance. So, you know, uh, we're trendy people, you know what I mean? We, we see a trend and we jump on it. And uh, uh, like, like many of you, we like the patio life, the deck life, and got the big patio, and then we got the big deck there. Uh, not big, but, you know, normal size. Uh, and we thought, hey, what's all the rage with these uh, shade kites? Have you seen these things? You know, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? I am not as trendy. No, as you and JP. So, uh, well, so so you'll have to enlighten me on this. I, I can fill out the details. Yeah, I can. I can see where that might be the case. So, if you you'll notice it now when you're driving around town, people with uh, like either rectangular or triangular kind of tarps. They look like tarps of various colors, often tan. Yellow is another one. Red, green, and you know they're sort of shade creators. But they, you know, they can kind of you, you get pulled on the corners, you know. And you can kind of do different things with them. But they, they create shade is what they do, you know. So they're the shade kite. You should, uh, if, you're, if you're near a computer, Google shade kite. You'll see what I'm saying. And uh, so you see these things online. But, you know, me, I like to shop local. So I look around a little bit and uh, I, I find a shade kite at a local merchant. And, well, to, to be honest, a, a chain merchant, but, it, you know, a hardware store, yardware, that kind of thing. And uh, we go out because the JP, she's, she's like, we should get one of those for the, the patio portion of the deck operation. Because, like, in the, it can be, it can be uh, hot out there. It can be, there's no shade on the, on the patio portion, the cement portion. But recently, last year, you know, I you maybe remember this story. We, we put up some decorative string lighting and maybe went a little overboard with the decorative string lighting and had some, well, incidents, so we should say, with, with some broken lights, and we don't need to go into that now. Uh, but to hang the decorative string lighting, we had built this sort of uh, uh, girding, this, uh, uh, you know, what do you call it, frame. It's a, it's a lovely conduit frame that a friend of ours built. Thank you very much. Uh, and then we put all the decorative string lighting on there. And now, JP's thinking we hang the shade kite up in the frame there, right? And it sounds like a, a marvelous idea. Well, yeah, because you're doing like a two-for-one. And you're you're be able, able to hang the lights and then hang the shade kite from this apparatus. Yeah, and maybe cover up a little bit of the ghetto frame that we're running. <laughs> We've gone full north end with the lights and the framing uh, made of aluminum conduit and uh, the deck that needs to be replaced. We're going north end on the southeast side. We're going full north end. An embarrassment to the neighbors. 
by all means. But thankfully, it's on the backside. Uh, but it's lovely, you know, in the night, in the summer with the lights on and the, and the little breeze. So uh, now with the shade tent, you, you, shade cut, you get a little more. So we go and I find one of these things finally at a merchant. Uh, but it's a 16 by 16 by 16 triangular version. And we have kind of a rectangular uh, patio. So I'm thinking I can make this thing work, though, right? You, could, you can make anything work. It's foldable, you know. So uh, last night we uh, gave, it a, gave it a run. We uh, unfurled the 16 by 16 by 16 triangular sh- uh, shade kite. I, I don't think it went well. <laughs> that would be an equilateral triangle. <laughs> that is an equilateral triangle, Dan. Thank you. Um, unfortunately, the, the patio is probably 10 by 16. So you've got, it's a, it's a triangular peg in a rectangular hole situation. It's not going to work. So now I've got this, I've got a 16 by 16 by 16 equilateral shade kite if anybody wants one. And I'll be on the hunt for something in a, uh, maybe a, uh, eight by 12 rectangular version. I don't want to have to go online and buy this thing. That really that bothers me. I don't like that. Well, don't buy a parallelogram. That's what I need to say. <laughs> Make yeah, if you if you that have the square work. footage, it's got to yes. be either rectangular or square in shape. You parallelogram, then you're going to have the same problem again. Maybe one of our viewers are on the Facebooks or one of our listeners in the, on the radio or on the kso.com. They can get on there, they can tweet me. Maybe a local merchant has one of these things and I can actually give them my money rather than Amazon or Wayfair or some silly thing like that. I mean, I'm still in the hunt, but I want, I need immediate gratification. That's my other problem. I don't want to have to order something and wait three days. I want it now. I want to hang that baby tonight. The thing about that also is you only have so many precious days yet of summer to be able to utilize this great gift before you have to fold it all up and then you have to unfurl it Yep. Once again in uh, 2019. Yep, I don't like that either. I like to leave things out all winter. <laughs> See if they can survive. The decorative string lighting made it all winter. I don't know why a, a shade kite can't do that. Kind of <laughs> flapping around in the... That probably isn't a good idea. No, you've seen other things that have been set out over time and they just don't weather well yeah, in the these deck, cold South Dakota winters. The deck is not doing well at all. We need a new deck. That's happening this fall. But the uh, uh, the shade kite, probably, that would be full-on North End to just leave it up with all the lawn furniture, <laughs> maybe a wagon. <laughs> leave that out there all North End type way through the winter. That'd be awesome. Well, anyway, if anybody's got a, a line on that, let me know. Meanwhile, we've got a great show for you today. Uh, our guest, uh, it's Tuesday, so blogger, blogger, Corey Heidelberger is with us of dakotafreepress.com. We're going to talk a little bit about tr- tariffs and pressure. Uh, Scott Hudson is our weird friend of the day. Uh, not, I have no idea what Scott and I are going to talk about, but we'll figure out something. Uh, Rhett Giordano, a.k.a. Rhett Rotten. Rhett Rotten will be in studio with us. He, of course, you know him as the uh, uh, performer on the Wall of Death is going to be featured as part of Hot Harley Nights this weekend. And I'll have a PL statement just after the next break. Today's topic, oh, we're gonna do we're gonna do a lightning round, Dan. Lightning round of local topics. So gird your loins. That's coming up after the break. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 320 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Closer to free here on the PL statement that time of day when we look through the news and uh, find some things that bother us, frustrate us, intrigue us, inspire us, all kinds of good stuff. And there's a lot today, all right? So uh, there's a bunch of local stuff that I just want to run through here, uh, some of which is, oh, you know, good, some of which is um, concerning, 
some of which is, uh, well, let's just call it dumb. It's dumb. First up, in the lightning round of local news on the PL statement, South Dakotans' health insurance rates could climb due to freeze on payments to insurers from uh, today's Argus leader. South Dakota insurers are set to take a hit as part of the Trump administration's move to suspend payments aimed at stabilizing the health insurance market under the Affordable Care Act. The head of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services on Saturday announced that it would suspend risk adjustment payments, which shuffle money among insurance companies to bolster insurers with less healthy members who have a higher risk of using expensive medical care. Uh, yeah, it's going to cost, uh, it's, it's, you know, premiums are going up. Of course they are. Of course they will. I'm sure, but you know, on the upside, I'm sure there'll be a very affordable option on the open market after the subsidies go away for those of us who are, you know, in the open market. I'm sure it'll be fine. Good insurance at a reasonable price. That's, that's what I'm expecting. That's how it always works. <sighs> City flag. So tonight's the night that uh, we decide that the city council is going to vote on whether to make the uh, the informal city flag, flag the official city flag. Um, you know, uh, please, 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 let's just let this go quietly into the good night. Please, people. I think, I think it's a fine flag. When it came out, I thought it was, yeah, but I, it's fine now. Okay, it's good. Let's just. Uh, you know, I know it wasn't some big official vote or anything, but it, everything seems fine. Nothing to see here. No reason to make the flag into a big controversy that drags on for weeks and weeks. Let's vote and move on. Next item in the local news lightning round. Uh, Mark Salter sworn in as newest state Supreme Court justice. This is uh, all over the news, of course, because it's a new Supreme Court justice. But the reason this is a big deal for me is uh, I know Mark. This is awesome. And uh, I consider him a friend. Uh, I don't know if he considers me a friend, but I consider him a friend. Uh, Spent a lot of time running with Mark, uh, talking. And uh, when you run with somebody uh, often, uh, this was before he became a judge and got so darn busy. Uh, when he was just a simple uh, uh, appellate court lawyer in the in the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office, um, but he's also just one of the best human beings I know. Uh, incredibly smart, thoughtful, fair, funny—all those things—and I think he will be a fantastic Supreme Court justice. I couldn't be happier about that. Let's move to the the the, the really sort of striking news of the day. All right. The really this is the important stuff, people. This is those th- this is where you want to tune in and really, you know, get your brain working, get your head around this because I don't know if you know this or not. I'm sure you've heard it. Tom Hanks tweeted about Sioux Falls. It's true. The Tom Hanks. As near as we can tell. In an actual tweet on Twitter tweeted that he may have to move to Sioux Falls, at least visit Rapid City 2. I know. I was excited as you. This is the single dumbest story I've seen in a long time. And I understand why. I, you know, I get it. But this is what you'll hear the most about. Okay, just imagine. Superstar Tom Hanks has heard of South Dakota. Isn't that amazing? Little us out here on the prairie. He tweeted about us. I feel so good. I feel so affirmed in my choices and my lifestyle that somebody as important and famous as Tom Hanks would include my city in his tweets. Of course, uh, he was doing this, if you uh, look into it, because of a book um, that he has some, I, I'm not exactly sure what his connections are to the book, but I, the book is called Our Towns, A 100,000 Mile Journey into the Heart of America by James Fallows and Deborah Fallows. And, uh, you know, Tom Hanks called it the most optimistic stories about America. Nonfiction, personal, may move to Sioux Falls, at least visit Rapid City Two. others, Hanks. And uh, he tweeted out uh, a picture of the cover of the book. Well, I mean, it, you know, that's great, but get it together. So then there's all these other people, the chamber, the mayor, but oh, come on, come here, live. Ah, we love you, Tom Hanks. Ah. Get it together, people. 
Never mind that none of you have heard about the book that he references, which is a great book by the great James and Deborah Fallows. I don't imagine anybody will actually read the book or the articles that they have written on this or that they wrote or the interviews that they've done on the subject. Uh, I, I met with James Fallows when he was here. It was wonderful. He was just looking for tips. And uh, never mind his exhaustive research and thoughtful analysis that went into it. Heck no. Did you hear Tom Hanks tweeted about us? Seriously, he tweeted about us. It's a great book. And it, 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 it speaks, the book says marvelous things about our community. And it's great and it's, it's awesome. But did you know Tom Hanks tweeted about us? Somebody tweet about the book. Read the book. Or at least read an article. I love James Fallows. He's awesome. That's the bottom line on today's PL. You can agree or disagree with me. Drop me an email, an email. Use the article an before a word starting with a vowel, in this case, e, an email to patrick at ksoo.com or Twitter, P. Lally Show, maybe Facebook, all good. There's many people on there right now saying things about food because I'm hungry. I'm going to run downstairs, get something to eat. We'll be right back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters to chat with Scott Hudson on Weird Friends. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three thirty-four on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and I'm uh, very happy to have on the line with us today for Weird Friends, kind of pushed off his Wednesday slot. You know, there's been a bunch of baseball and all different kinds of stuff, so we brought Scott in today. Scott Hudson, how are you today, dude? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Uh, I'm all right. I, uh, uh, other than I was, I was so hungry, and I know you, nobody cares about this. I was just starving. I was like having a blood sugar problem. And uh, there had been some sort of barbecue. I just pillaged on uh, a bunch of chips. Just straight Fabulous. up. Just traditional old potato. I did make a mistake. And in the in the bag of Lay's, I grabbed another handful. Of, and it were like honey bacon Ew. something. They weren't as bad as I thought when I first started eating them. But I, I just didn't matter. I was so hungry. You know, I mean. So now you're going to have you're going to have to bike like an extra 10 miles tonight to make up for it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <Bike>. <laughs> Bike down to happy hours. What I'll do. Um, oh, there you go. The uh, uh, any huge. Um, nobody cares about my problem, Scott. Okay, sorry. That's okay. Um, you. So last time you were on it was a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about this uh, pretty cool uh, new uh, uh, operation you were involved with, spinning off of the Big Brother gossip podcast that you do. Uh, right. a, an animated version, the BB, the BB cartoon. What's it called? Yeah, it's called the BB cartoon. It's on the TV party app. And so this thing is at that time, it was just a tease on YouTube and you were a talking duck. Now, yes, uh, the the latest it has just dropped, right? Yeah, this is uh, our third one came out two hours ago, three hours ago, maybe. Awesome. And uh, uh yeah, it's uh, we're doing it weekly. They're going to be about seven, eight, nine minutes long, and kind of an update from what we do on Saturday night with the Big Brother Gossip Show. You you are franchising this Big Brother uh, obsession that you have into uh, uh, nearly a full time job. Well, it is kind of weird. I I was talking to somebody else, and if you include my few minutes with you once a week, yep, I am doing something media related six out of seven days of the week. <laughs> Okay, let's go. Because you've got the Big Brother podcast. Yes. You've got uh, the cartoon show. The TV show. party cartoon. You do this show every week. Yes. You've got the, uh, uh, po- you've got day drinking. Day drinking and the day drinking bonus show. <laughs> There's a bonus show. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, and and uh, Live Ledge. The the one that started it all, Live Ledge. Well, that's. Yeah. That you are a busy, busy guy. For a guy who doesn't really have a job, you're very busy. <laughs> it's nuts, isn't it? It is. That's the way to live, though, right? Just indulge yeah, your passions. I mean, I, mean that, I, I, I get asked all the time, well, what do you do with your time? It's like, you know, I actually am pretty busy. Yeah. I don't 
do a lot of things, but I'm occupying myself pretty well. Yeah. You, <laughs> we should say that you worked, you, you did your time in the salt mines, and you're sort of semi-retired, right? You're living yeah, a life exactly, of exactly, semi-retirement. Yeah. Yep. That's, and it's not that you are unemployed. I don't mean no, to give no, people no, no, that no, idea. No, 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 no. That's not what's happening here. So the TV party app, right? You go and you get the app, right? That's how you watch yeah, this thing? Yeah, it's a free app on iTunes or Google uh, Google Play Store, or whatever it's called. And uh, if, if you open the app, you will see original shows. We are, at least on my version of the app, we're the first one shown there. And so then you click on it. And uh, all those three teaser ones are there, plus last week's episode two, this week's episode three. And uh, they're funny. They're, I mean, last one, I loved it because there was a, one part where my partner, Colette Lala, was, she was shown sipping her wine <laughs> while I was doing squats, you know, which, is, <laughs> which is exactly what happens whenever we do our shows. You know, she just drinks. I work out. <laughs> you work out during the show? No. I didn't think so. <laughs> I didn't think so. I thought I was like going to be a little bit uh, uh, incredulous on that one. The, uh, the, the uh, now remind people this is a a shorter sort of uh, you do a short version of this and then somebody else animates it, so you don't really yeah. see it until it drops. Is that true? Right, right. We uh, uh, we we recorded uh, Monday afternoon, and uh, you know it doesn't take long to edit a nine minute you know right piece of audio and then i ship it and i don't know who does it now it's not who did the original th- uh three short ones mm-hmm. um but they turn it around in about 24 hours it's pretty amazing and so now you're not a talking duck anymore no i'm a human okay that's good uh still dashing well yeah i mean i was the handsomest duck ever <laughs> but your conversion to humanity was pretty good and yeah, i uh, would say yes and they they actually use images from the show. Yeah, like, when we talk about, say, person X, they will have a picture of person X, which is, you know, pretty cool. And if I, if one of us makes a comment, you know, we'll compare. I know in the first one we compared one of them to a couple movie characters. Mm-hmm. And the movie characters were shown to show you, you know, that, that our comparison may have been correct. Yeah. So even so, though you know it's coming... It's still new for you. I mean, you know what the oh, content it's, it's is, but a, the visuals, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a complete surprise when it shows up. And I, we, uh, Colette and I, we have a good laugh when we first see it. <laughs> I can imagine. It's pretty funny. I, I got to give you that. Uh, so congratulations on that. I'm glad it's uh, moving forward as, as you had hoped. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Big Brother, though, uh, we're, we're in the midst of season 145. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, so, how's it? How's this season shaping up? How, how's your podcast coming along? Oh, the podcast is great. Our latest episode, which is the third of the season, uh, episode three of the season, uh, we recorded it Saturday night. We had at one point in our because uh, we do we do have a chat room and let people listen to us record as we're you know recording. Mm-hmm. We had over a thousand people in our little chat room that night, which Jeez. was yeah, kind of crazy. Um, the episode itself hit number 12 yesterday on the iTunes TV and movie podcast charts. That's pretty good. I mean, it's kind of, it is so strange that I mean, we are such, we are a little independent show recorded in my bedroom mm-hmm. and we're being surrounded by shows put out by NPR and NBC and yeah. Uh, it's it's just crazy, but uh, you know it's pretty cool. Do you ever get a, like an email from some of these people saying, "Who are you?" <laughs> yes, <laughs> really. Yes. yes, it's like, well, send us some advertisers if you care. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or just money. It doesn't just send us money. That'd be great. Yeah, exactly. If you care about Big Brother that much, just throw us some coin. Um, yeah. And do you ever get any pushback from the network? No, because uh, two of the three people, uh, Colette and my other co-host, Mike, they also sell, like, they're an affiliate of CBS oh. as far as, like, selling the so-called live feeds. Really? Yeah, and so, uh, um, you know, and I don't know what they get for each. So every, every time somebody subscribes to CBS.com, if they use their links, they get a cut of it. And oh. so we're... We're doing nothing but promote the show. Yeah. I mean, they 
they uh, they win in the end. You know, we're trying to cre- create interest. Right. It's not like you're going to hurt the brand of Big Brother. No, 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 no. <laughs> the image. You guys are really, you know, cutting into the image of Big Brother. you got to stop this. <laughs> uh, hey, right. do you want to talk, uh, talk a little music here in a minute? Sure. Right on. Sure. That's what we like to talk about. Uh, we just get off on tangents. We're going to come right back and talk more with uh, Scott Hudson during the Weird Friends segment. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000. KSOO. Three forty-seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. We return to our conversation with Scott Hudson about uh, all different kinds of stuff, pop culture, music. But first, Scott. Did you happen yes. to see, before I go any further, I was talking about this earlier in the show, did you happen to see this thing about Tom Hanks tweeting about Sioux Falls? Talk about fake news. <laughs> I mean, that's the definition of fake news. Come on. I mean, what, he just learned that South Dakota exists yesterday? We're supposed to like be, oh, Tom, thank you so much. I know. And all these people retweeting it, go, hey, we'll roll out the red carpet, come here, blah, blah, blah. Like, come on, just act like you've been here before. Yeah, come on, come on. This isn't like the 1830s where someone who may have been to the Dakotas (laughs) has a, you know, a great story to tell about, you know, it's just just ridiculous. I, I laugh at that kind of stuff. Just like I laugh at uh, when there's a typo on a, on a TV show, or, you know, a scripted TV show, and they say Sioux Falls, Iowa, or <laughs> Sioux City, South Dakota. It's like, and people are so offended by that. And it's like, does it really matter? Let it go. <laughs> Just let it go. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, let's talk about music. Uh, how was Reckless Eric? I know you went. Reckless Eric was fabulous. He's got a new album out, and I've told you about it. I like it mm-hmm. a lot. And uh, he is just so charming. He even said before, he, I mean, he talks a lot in between songs. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he talked about how he's got a new record out, so of course that's what he wants to play. But he understands people just want to hear the old stuff. And he told about, talked about seeing Bowie in 78, <laughs> and Bowie only played the brand new record and. He goes, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to play a big medley of a bunch of the songs from the record, and then you guys can, so you don't have to pretend to applaud in between each song. <laughs> he was genius. hilarious. He was hilarious. Um, judging, yeah, from fa- judging from Facebook, everybody took a picture with him, too. Yeah, I didn't, because no. I don't need pictures of myself on Facebook. But yeah, Mr. Luden gave him one of his books. Oh, wow, cool. Yes. Hey, um... You should probably remind reckless people who Reckless Eric is, though. Reckless Eric uh, is best known for a song called Whole Wide World, and I, everybody that says, I don't know what that is, as soon as I play it for them, mm-hmm. they go, oh, that song. Yeah. I probably One should have had it lo- queued up, but I don't. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was kind of like in the, the mold of Elvis Costello and Graham Parker, um, you know, when he first hit in the late 70s. and. He kind of disappeared for a while, but he's he's been back the last few years putting out some really really strong records. And and what's why is there an appeal to the music today? What what kind of what are you talking about there? What do you mean? What kind of music is it? What's it sound like today versus oh, the seventies? Um, you know, he's 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 a very clever songwriter. So the lyrics are always interesting. A lot of uh, a lot of takes on uh, pop culture. A lot of takes just on you know living in today's society musically it's, i mean he's very very similar actually to ray davies hmm. um you know the the same kind of catchy melodies of like mid-60s late 60s ray davies uh but but kind of more with an urgency of the 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 late 70s early 80s yeah. cool stuff stuff um hey what, what, there, was, there was this one thing I was going to table Reckless Eric, now I forgot it. But hey, I saw uh, Isbell on Saturday, by the way, down at Saturday. Oh, in the good. Park. Yeah, it was good. He was awesome. I know you're not a huge fan like me, but. No, no, I am a big fan of Isbell. Yeah, actually. but he was, he was really. But I've seen him. I've seen him. 
three or four times. I think I've seen them enough. Yeah, that's a, I mean, I love them, but I just don't need to see them that many more times. Well, so. speaking of which, I I, uh, I was uh, for my birthday. I was just given a. I'm going to go see them at Red Rocks. Got oh, tickets. fabulous! Yeah, yeah, out in Denver. So that's that's going to be four. That's probably enough <laughs> for a yeah, while. Yeah. I'm not like uh, disgruntled former city commissioner Matt Staub, who's seen him now 11 that times. That was a great picture of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, inside joke. Uh, so what What else is coming up here? That's what I was going to get to. What else is coming up that uh, I might be interested in? There's been a good run of stuff. Soul Asylum. Yeah, Soul Asylum's coming back. Um, and they. I, I'm thinking that they're going to play a lot of their super, super old things because... Uh, the twin tone releases have been remastered and they're going to be reissued with bonus tracks and stuff. Oh, that's cool. And, and I would love to see a soul asylum show that is nothing but 80 soul asylum. That would be fantastic. Uh, is it, here's the thing is, uh, in the, in the old days when you'd go to a soul asylum show, your, your head would be buzzing for about three days because it was Oh so yeah. Loud. They were loud. Kind of like they were as loud as Husker do. And Husker do was the loudest band I ever saw. Yeah, it was very loud. And, what I'm wondering is, they're playing at Icon um, in a couple of weeks. Oh, boy, you don't want the loudest band in the world to play Icon, do you? <laughs> and it's Sunday night. That could be a real test of the of the new... Uh, um... Soundproofing. Either that or it's going to be at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> so it's done by go, 7. Yeah. Oh, uh, I man. Don't, I don't think Dave Perner is awake at 4 in the afternoon. No. Is he still... You think Perner still got it? You know what I mean? You know what? I... I um... I saw him with Tommy Stinson in Minneapolis a few years ago. This is probably 2013 or so. Mm-hmm. I thought he was great. I mean, I don't know what Soul Asylum itself sounds like anymore because, you know, they don't have Dan Murphy as a guitarist. Right. And, um, but I, I bet they still bring him. I mean, he's, he's a great performer. You know, of, of those 80s, you know, Minneapolis legends, mm-hmm. He was probably the most uh, of a of a natural performer because Paul Westerberg was not a, no. a natural on stage presence. Bob Mould and Grant Hart weren't either. They just they just created such great music that it didn't matter that they were unsociable. Look, right, looking at their <laughs> shoes, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, that's coming up, and I can't remember the date exactly. I think it's August 11th or something like that. It's at Icon. That about right. It's a Sunday night. Uh, anything else on the horizon that I need to? Be concerned about that you know about oh uh, you caught me off guard so i don't That's have okay. the list in front of me That's but uh, right. ray davies has a new album out by the way yes i also heard ray yeah, that was nothing i was gonna say ray and dave might be doing something together yes there's rumors they're gonna they both have said that they're open to uh touring next year but open doesn't mean they will no they've they've done this before uh yeah. scott hudson uh he of uh the big brother gossip podcast the ledge podcast uh, uh the uh, bb Cartoon, cartoon show all of it he's a he's a media mogul and we like having him on the show thanks a lot I thought Scott. media moguls are supposed to be rich I, well you're getting there just <laughs> hold on it'll happen okay <laughs> see you later bye coming up after the news and weather at the top of the hour we got Corey heidelberger of dakota free press coming on that always is always is fun stay with us this is the patrick lally show information 1000 kso this is a public Three fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Coming up this weekend, Hot Holly Nights. We're going to talk more about it in the second hour, four thirty, with Rhett Rotten. He's going to be there. More on that later. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, it's Corey Heidelberger with DakotaFreePress.com. We'll talk trade soon and all kinds of good stuff. That's coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh six on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And we bring in uh, from the beautiful community of Aberdeen, South Dakota, way up in the northeast corner, almost to North Dakota, but we claim them anyways. 
Corey Heidelberger, blogger at dakotafreepress.com. Corey, how you been, buddy? It's summertime. I couldn't be better. How are you? Oh, I'm hanging in there. I just I I was hungry earlier. I ate a bunch of chips and mm-hmm. you know, now I'm now I'm sort of regretting eating all those chips, but that's what bike rides are for, so you can eat more chips and burn them off. That's what people keep telling me, but it's not. It's going the other direction. Um, <laughs> so, Corey, uh, you write a lot about uh, the politics of the world from the from the left side of the spectrum up there in, in Aberdeen. And uh, here's here's my uh, here's my question. Um, we've talked about this before, and that's this whole world of tariffs, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, folks. Uh, who were uh, inclined to support the president early on uh, seem like they're getting a little nervous about this tariffs thing. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. And it's you know it's interesting you mentioned it's good that you remind your readers again that I do write from a a left wing democratic liberal perspective. But I got to tell you, when it comes to tariffs, I find myself laughing because the critique I'm hearing most is a critique from capitalists who are saying, look, if you impose these tariffs, we're not going to be able to make as much money, and it's bad for business. That's what's coming out from all my capitalist friends. So I don't even have to put on my my Russian hat for this one. I can say, hey, business says tariffs are bad. Yeah, and it's it really is, um, I, I don't want to say bad. Obviously, I talk about this issue fairly often on the show. I'm, I, think, I think tariffs are a bad idea, but I think they're a bad idea not – from the the uh, so much from the industry industry side, but from the agriculture side, they're very bad for South Dakota. But now you've got sort of some folks coalescing, whether it's the Farm Bureau and the Chamber of Commerce and some of these other people saying, "Hey, hey, hey, hey!" That's a kind of an unusual uh, coalition at this point. Yeah, and it's. I think the thing is, I have yet to hear anybody in South Dakota, whether it's the Farm Bureau or Farmers Union or the corn growers or pork producers or soy, any of your ag lobbyists, wherever they figure, whether they're kind of big business ag or homegrown ag or whatever, I have yet to hear any of them or the business community or even our political leaders up and say, these tariffs are great, let's have a trade war. Nobody's saying that. The best we're hearing is, you know, some of the farmers, when they talk to them, they're like, well, you know, I'm sure Donald Trump has our best interest at heart. And so I hope these tariffs achieve what they're meant to achieve quickly so we can get over them. It's, it's kind of like the best they can say is this medicine tastes terrible and it's making my hair fall out. I sure hope it does something good because so far it feels gross. Yeah. And I don't see any. Uh, it just keeps getting escalated, you know, and yeah. that. We're already losing money in South Dakota because uh, China just bought all their soybeans from Russia. Yep, yep. And that, see, and the idea that we're already losing money uh, is kind of what the what we're hearing from the farm people. And this, I blogged about these both just yesterday. They both hit the news. The Farm Bureau's out, and they've been out, I think, for a while, but they're saying it louder now. The Farm Bureau's saying, this is coming at a bad time. It's hurting what we're doing. And it's going to hurt in the future because not knowing what's going to happen with China, you know, and where they're going to buy soybeans or if they'll buy any soybeans, that means farmers now are going to hold back on making investment, on making purchases and making investments, new equipment, new buildings, new whatever. That's going to hurt the economy. And then yesterday, too, in the news, we heard from the South Dakota Chamber of Commerce, mm-hmm. who basically said the same thing. David Owen, who I a lot of times I'll argue with him about business and regulation, but here I think he's spot on. The tariffs are creating genuine uncertainty in the economy, even for businesses you know that aren't going to be impacted directly by the, by the tariffs that Trump is imposing or by the tariffs that China is imposing in retaliation. There are businesses who are looking at the whole idea of a trade war and going, boy, I don't know what the economy is going to look like three months, six months, one year out. If farmers aren't going to be buying stuff, maybe we can't afford to invest either because we're going to see a drop in business. So on both sides of that, the farmers and the broader, you know, the Chamber of Commerce business are saying these tariffs are causing uncertainty in the market. And that's something they used to really holler about back with Obama, saying, oh, no, we don't know what's going to happen with regulations. They knew what was going to happen. They just didn't like the regulations. They were trying to dress it up as good economic thinking. Now we've got genuine uncertainty about where the economy is going to go if we have a full-out trade war, and farmers and businesses are already 
pulling back on their impulse to spend money, and that's bad for everybody. Yeah, I should mention as a programming note, David Owen's wife, Deborah Owen, is going to be on the program on Friday. She is works for the he works for the state uh, chamber. She uh, is policy director for the Sioux Falls Chamber of Commerce. Um, she's going to be on here on Friday talking about this very issue. So folks who are interested in that should tune in on Friday. However, um, what's interesting about the agriculture side of that, too, is uh, we were already not doing great because prices were already uh, a little low. And this has only made it worse, right? Yeah, we don't. There's a, in the rest of the economy, uh, you know, one could almost make an argument that the the momentum we had from the recovery from the Obama economy, plus whatever impact the Trump tax cuts may have had, that, you know, we've got maybe some room to spare to have kind of a pullback on some trade in other sectors of the economy. And that's open to debate as to the magnitude of that. But in agriculture, right, we're still on the slide. We haven't, got, you know, gotten back to the great prices we had earlier in like 2012 or so. Farmers are getting bad prices left and right. They don't have wiggle room. I mean, it, it feels... I, I think I can say this without fear-mongering. This is accurate history. This is like back in the 20s where the rest of the economy seemed to be roaring along, but farmers were already suffering from bad trade and bad crops and everything in the 20s. The Depression hit the farmers in the 20s 10 years before it hit the rest of the country. Now, here we are. Farmers are in bad shape, and the president's throwing tariffs on. It's like Smoot-Hawley back in 1929, 1930-31 all over again. Smoot-Hawley tariffs, and bam, depression got worse. That could be what we're heading for here. The other part of that is uh, we survived the recession here. It wasn't as bad here because the prices were good. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's the whole notion of counter-cyclical payments that I believe were abolished in the last farm bill and I don't think are coming back. But that idea that you prop up agriculture because it's counter-cyclical to the rest of the economy, and we're seeing that now and so it's it is it's it's a little bit baffling um if it seems like most economists if not nearly all economists believe that that uh tariffs are a bad idea and that trade globalization is an inevitability and this is for whatever reason caught on so here's amongst a sector of the the populace. Here's my ultimate political question, though, is when does the pressure on Mike Rounds, John Thune, get so hard that they have to come out and say, because Thune has said he doesn't like tariffs. Rounds has said he doesn't necessarily like taking down these trade deals that we we had, but he has confidence that we're going to have something else. When does does those two lines intersect and the political pressure becomes too much for them? Boy, that's a really good question. I mean, and you make good points about the economics behind it. You know, from a basic capitalist perspective, markets work better when more people can participate, when there are more producers, more sellers, more decisions, more good ideas coming to the fore. Tariffs get in the way of those bigger markets. I think where the pressure comes is where it finally reaches the breaking point is exactly what we're talking about. When the Farm Bureau and the Chamber of Commerce put their money where their mouth is, it's one thing to say, oh, we don't like tariffs. It's another for those organizations to say, we need to rethink our politics as usual. Usually those organizations have sided with kind of the business candidates. They've thought the Republicans are their candidates. Now they need to realize the Republican leadership in Washington is putting their business interests in peril. That's where the pressure will come from when they realize their profits are in trouble and they aren't getting answers from the Republicans. They're going to have to decide if they're going to stick with the status quo or if they're going to change their voting patterns. I think when the Farm Bureau and the Chamber get serious, that's when Rounds and Thune will get serious because they'll realize they're about to lose their majority in Congress if they don't. Well, ultimately, it's the president and and whether or not Republicans are going to walk away from him. And that I that's be hard to hard to believe coming into the midterms, but at some point somebody's going to pull the fire alarm. Uh, we're going to come right back and talk more with Corey Heidelberger of DakotaFreePress.com. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Four twenty one on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Jason Isbell for you. Uh, 
We are continuing our conversation with Corey Heidelberger of DakotaFreePress.com, a blog out of Aberdeen, South Dakota. We've been talking about trade and uh, the whole uh, tariffs issue that is uh, causing so much uh, consternation. Corey, um, the other thing that you had on your blog not so long ago, I just saw some reference to it, was uh, uh, you were talking about John Thune um, traveling to Russia over the 4th of July and uh, not using a phone. Was that, didn't I read that on your blog? Absolutely you did. And, and what's the deal there? He, uh, he didn't bring a cell phone with him because there's some deal about how Americans in Russia think their phones are going to get bugged. Well, yeah, that's, this is the story that actually the Russian news told. And this is one reason I, I, I love writing about politics, because every now and then I get a chance to use my Russian, too. Da gavarim paruski. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you actually, I thought you had said that on the blog. You actually did translate the Russian broadcaster on your blog. I, I went through, and, and now I'll admit, I go check the dictionary, I check word reference, I check Google Translate, I kind of check my own translations with others, because I don't get to use my Russian a lot, but there was a, the, the big state television news program on Saturday nights in Russia, it's called Viesti Subotu, it's that Saturday news, mm-hmm. and they had a broadcast, and they interviewed John Thune on it, and they had it on YouTube, and I thought, well, let's watch this and see what they say, so I watched it, and I read the transcript and translated it, to find what was going on, and there's this there's this funny scene where the the anchor man, this uh, Sergei Brilyov, pulls a phone out of his pocket, and he says, "Now I have a phone in my pocket, but did you bring a phone with you, Senator Thune, or did you come with a burner phone that self destructs?" <laughs> and I double checked that translation because I'm like, "What, really?" He said that, but he said that he said, "Did you bring your phone, or did you bring a burner that self destructs?" And they didn't show what Thune said, but the anchor said, from all appearances, Thune did not bring his phone with him. And then, see, and this is the point now that the anchor was making. He said to Senator Thune, come on, the Europeans come here with their phones all the time. It's only the Americans who bring up all this kind of paranoid stuff about, oh, the Russians will hack my phone if you bring it. And the anchor even said to Thune, he's like, you know, you serve on the Cybersecurity Committee. You know one can hack anybody's phone from anywhere. What's going on? Are you guys afraid of Russia or what? (laughs) So really the anchor for state television, meaning a Putin mouthpiece, Mm -hmm. was trying to box Thune into a corner saying, why are you guys so afraid of us Russians? Why do you act like such a bunch of paranoid ninnies? And you couldn't hear what Thune said? Is that right? (laughs) No, and when, when over the answer, Thune said something, but the audio was so low I couldn't see hear exactly. Oh, but Thune it. certainly didn't pull his phone out of his pocket. And I noticed through the whole week, you know, Thune's got a Twitter account. He didn't tweet anything from Russia. He was offline during that time. So I was like, what's going on? It's Russia. Send some pictures. Yeah, that's right. Nothing. And no then selfie. I saw that and I was like, oh, I see. Okay. And, you know, I can kind of see it because it's not so much that they might hack your phone because really off's right. Your phone can be hacked by anybody anywhere. My issue would be I'm in Russia, go through customs, whatever, and maybe they grab your phone and demand your password or, you mm-hmm. know, mess with it on the spot, that kind of thing. So even I could see some sensibility to that. And there are a lot of travelers who advise Anytime you go overseas, why mess with customs? Just get yourself a burner phone and, uh, you know, don't put all your passwords in it. Yeah, that makes sense, especially if you're not going to a uh, particularly friendly country. Um, Sure. So, uh, first of all, when did you learn Russian? Oh, this was back in the 90s. There was one, my favorite Russian professor, my only Russian professor, Janet Johnson at SDSU, offered the classes, and I said, this is great. Let's study Russian. So you just took it in college and learned Russian? Yeah. Well, that's and went cool. there, went there uh, four times in the '90s. Once, even when it was still the Soviet Union, when it was still like KGB agents following us around, making sure we weren't taking pictures of missile sites or something. It was a really exciting language to study. Really fun. That's pretty cool. Uh, well, that's we learn something new every time we talk to you, Corey. That's why we have you on the show. Hey, that's why I come. People got to learn something. Either that's that, or at least find something funny. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you again next week. Corey Heidelberger of uh, DakotaFreePress.com. Thank you very much. Thank you, Patrick. Have a great day, everybody. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, it's we're going to chat with a guy by the name of Rhett Rotten. Okay, that's not his real name. His real name's Rhett Giordano, but we're going to talk to him. We'll, 
we'll use his stage name, Rhett Rotten. And he's got this thing called the Wall of Death, and he's uh, hooked up with Hot Harley Nights. He's going to be in studio. We're going to have a good time. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Yeah, I got Michael 45 right by my side. 4.35 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, I have to say this is a first. The first for me, we have uh, uh, our first motorcycle stuntman on the show and that is Rhett Giordano he uh, is performing uh, all week pretty much all weekend pretty with much. Hot Harley yes, Nights sir. with the Rhett Rotten Wall of Death awesome Rhett uh, uh, what is a wall of death well a wall of death is a, a form of motorcycle stunt riding and uh, what it is is an old wooden racetrack that originates from the early 1900s it's pretty neat an old wooden racetrack. So uh, explain this to me. How do you turn an old wooden racetrack into a wall of death? Well, it's derived from an era of old board track racing. Back in the day, there were half mile and mile long tracks that were constructed out of wood that men raced on. Um, it became extinct in the early 1920s. And what happened was we built a smaller, more compact version of it that was geared more for entertainment rather than competition. So. I see. And so how big is the wall of death? Our wall of death that we have is 30 foot wide and it's 12 foot high. Oh, wow. You know, we and see the maximum capacity of about 200 people at a time can watch us go. Oh, okay. So you travel with the wall and seating? Yes, sir. It comes uh, equipped and all sets up together um, and to, to actually make one large piece well that's so. pretty wild let them know how old your wall of death yeah, is right? 1938 our wall of death was built in so. oh that's pretty cool and that the voice you just heard i i neglected to introduce jimmy animan that's that's all right i'm sorry jimmy that's okay Anneman. that's my bad i got right into the wall of death <laughs> well and I it's got, exciting yeah it's I an mean, exciting thing so. i haven't had a wall of death on the show before <laughs> so i'm all neither, fired up neither have we we've never yeah. had one up at the dealership so uh, we can thank big jim for that yeah, he met yeah. up with us at the harley davidson museum jimmy's dad and we hit it off, and he was really just stoked on seeing us ride. And he said, hey, what do you think about coming into Sioux Falls? Well, that's so, pretty cool. Yeah, so yeah. Jimmy Eneman is a, what, third-generation owner, yep. uh, operator of uh, Jane L. Har- yep. Harley Davidson. my brother, Joe. Your you brother, bet. Joe. And uh, your dad is Jim. Yep. And uh, Jim and, and his brothers operated for many years, uh, but it, they took it over from your grandfather, That's correct? That's correct, yep. Which is pretty amazing story. And so this weekend is the big annual Hot Harley Nights. 23rd annual Hot Harley Nights. 23rd, 23rd annual. And so you decided after 23 years, we're going to bring in a, a stuntman. Well, you know, we had to, <laughs> you know, we wanted, this year we wanted to take Hot Harley Nights to another level, get more people out, participate more, because... We're not able to be downtown this year because of the Levitt Pavilion that's right. being built down there. So we needed to do something different to draw more people out because all the proceeds from Hot Harley Nights, all the money does go to Make-A-Wish um, of South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Um, very good charity that we've been involved, an organization that we've been involved in for a very, very long time. And uh, we wanted we wanted a bigger draw. We wanted a bigger show. So not only are we having a, a great musical musical performance saturday night at the fairgrounds here in sioux falls we're going to have ron keel band mm-hmm. whiskey rich uh we're going to have uh con- and then sawyer brown is headlining it's a free concert to everybody oh, that wants to come cool. and participate so it's free at that at the fairgrounds for hot early nights but you know we wanted to get a draw up to the dealership too because all the money that we raise up there uh goes to- from the silent auction the live auction all the uh, beverage sales um all the money that we raise goes towards the event we needed a bigger draw for the dealership and and like Rhett said, he met um, him and my dad headed off at a Harley event yep. in Milwaukee. And, um, you know, so now, you know, out of this whole deal, we have a new friend. You know? <laughs> so Rhett, Rhett and Lydia and their crew, they're here. They've been setting up the wall of death all day today. Um, so and you were kind enough to invite us to come out and talk about it and share Rhett's story, which, you know, being in the Harley Davidson business and being in the power sports business, you have to be an enthusiast and you have to be passionate about what you do because, you know, not every, you know, not everybody likes what we do and what we're all about. So you have to be passionate and you're an enthusiast about, about it and hearing Rhett talk about his wall of death and his, and the writing that he does, it's, it's actually quite moving and it's very passionate and, you listen to Rhett talk, and you're going to be you're going to walk away with some sort of 
thought or lesson or you're going to feel good after yeah. talking to Rhett. So and so Rhett, yeah. uh, you're going to be so the you're going to be set up at the dealership on 60th Street North, right? That's correct. Yes, yep. sir. We're, okay. we're going to be available at the dealership for the entire event, and we'll also be at the park with Harley Davidson meeting and greeting people and just talking yep. about everything. That's he will have a smaller so. display set up at the fairgrounds, okay, but not cool. the wall of death, right? But a smaller but, display. So beginning thursday thursday starting at three o'clock i believe is our first show right family in. day yep. family yep. night that's, so that's a great opener yeah. so you'll just do it uh uh kind of constantly all weekend or are there times we How does that work? about every hour every hour and okay. a half every two hours some of the times will be announced but we're available throughout the entire event right. so, so if we're not riding immediately when you get there we have other stuff to offer you. You know, we'll either take a ride in the wall or we'll have a little history lesson about it. Okay. So just stop you know. by any time during the whole weekend and you'll be out there. Absolutely. Yes. Well, that's yeah. pretty cool. One of the things that I was drawn to at J&L Harley-Davidson, it is family owned and operated. You know, don't forget we have Anna, their sisters. Mm-hmm. That Anna's over here Facebook living. I Facebook should say live. that. Can't forget yeah. Anna. Sometimes we actually do forget about no, her. No, oh, Thank man. you for bringing her up. Yeah. Make-A-Wish <laughs> Foundation. What better, you know, thing to be raising money for? But like Jim said, you know, when you have passion and you use and, and you use that wholeheartedly, the result is success. Yeah. Not nine times out of ten, ten times out of ten. And like I heard Jim, him and I talking, people coming into these Harley dealerships to buy bikes from us, we're making friends, not just a sale. Yeah. And uh, I notice that. I travel to many different dealerships across the country, and I understand that each is independently owned. And I like to see what each and every individual does with their dealership. And this is uh, definitely top of the line out here in Sioux Falls, so I couldn't well, be happier. We're going to come right back and hear more about Rhett Giordano's story with uh, Jimmy Eneman and uh, continue our conversation here about Hot Harley Nights. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Hi everyone, Chad here from the Main Street Cafe inviting you to join 445 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation, and I'm very happy to have in studio Rhett Giordano. He is the performer, the stuntman, the force behind Rhett Rotten and the Wall of Death. The Rhett Rotten's Wall of Death. I got to get that right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we've been chatting about uh, his performances and uh, demonstrations at the Hot Harley Nights up at the JNL Harley Davidson dealership on 60th Street North near I-29. Um, Rhett, uh, so the, the question is, how, how did you get into this well um racing and riding has just always been part of our family and second nature so um i just evolved again as we were talking from bmx racing to some amateur motocross straight into pro drag racing and flat tracking and at the end of the day anybody knows it costs money to go racing (laughs) and so um my just i've just been a history buff my whole life i've always known and been reading about motor drone style and old board track racing and so I found this wall of death in the newspaper, 1992, the year before I graduated high school. And uh, we found it for sale in the newspaper in Long Island, New York. And I bought it and brought it home to my Nana's house and learned how to ride it. <laughs> and that was, you grew up where? I grew up right outside of Philadelphia, a place called Redding, Pennsylvania. Yeah, so you didn't have too far to go. The Redding Railroad, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> from there's Monopoly. a lot of, you know what they say about Pennsylvania. What's that? They say there's a lot of good riders come out of Pennsylvania. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And good quarterbacks, as it turns yeah. out. Um but uh, so you just grew up and then and how did you come up with this this the show? I, I keep calling it a show, but what do you yeah. call it? Um, it's exactly that. It's it's a performance it, and it's America's number one motorcycle stunt show. Um, again, it's it's some of the most in your face entertainment that that you'll see in America. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a throwback, mm-hmm. you know, and that makes it kind of cool. We're, we're paying homage to the past yet we're still resurrected for the 21st century. You know, and at the end of the day, if I can help promote motorcycles and racing, then I think I'm doing my job correctly. Why Harley? Um, I've just been uh, Harley Davidson's my whole entire life. My first bike was a 1941 knucklehead that I had. uh, My mom's boyfriend was wild. (laughs) And, uh, you know, he, he introduced me to 
to a good part of some of the wild motorcycle days. So, yeah, I mean, I've just been riding Harleys as, as almost as old as I am. So, well, and they're big in uh, Harley's always been big in flat track. Yeah, and yeah. so that was a natural progression. But natural what did you progression? What did you ride motocross? Couldn't have been a knucklehead. No, motor, motocross. I started out on an RM, yep. uh, an RM eighty in Suzuki. the amateur class, yep. and, and worked up Suzuki. That's yep. right, and worked from. Like anything else, amateur, novice, and expert. So, yeah, and uh, broke a bunch of bones along the way. I broke imagine. a bunch of bones <laughs> along the way, but worst was my sternum. I Ooh. cracked my sternum uh, quite a few years ago. That'll be the. That it was... still hurts today when I give the little tap on there. But... Oh man, was that the end of the racing for you? No, uh, <laughs> I, and I've been through quite a bit, but I'll tell you, with God's good grace in my life, mm-hmm. um, there isn't nothing I can't accomplish, and with a good a good thought. Uh, really is more healing to the bones than you could ever imagine. Mm, so. That's impressive. So yeah. the show uh, that'll be running at uh, up at the dealership on 63 North I-29, uh, Thursday through Saturday Thursday or Sunday? through Saturday. Thursday, Thursday through, through Saturday, Saturday, sort of all the time. Pretty much. Uh, yep. And uh, uh, the... What do people see? There's 200, 200 seats with this thing. Yeah. What What do they see when you go into the wall of death? Well, what what they see, uh, first, before anything, well, that's how you know it's real, because you don't need to see it. You feel it ah. when you first get up in there, and then you smell it. And then you look down in there, and you see the actual boards that we're riding on, and you see the motorcycles, and you see basically a, 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 a confined racetrack. You so know, is it so more you than you walk up and you look down in? Oh yeah. man! And there's yeah. seats around the top and you yeah. stare down in it. I view this thing as a motorcycle monument. It's almost a destination within a destination. That's amazing. Yeah. And so, is it just you in there, or are there other people? No, I have a great race team. We're Wall of Death Factory team at Harley Davidson J and L. I have my friend Ryan Bedencourt, who uh, rides with me for the last two years. Also, a full time EMT was his job. Well, that's good. He, met with me running he's actually working on the wall he's right there now, right? working and building the wall right now um i have my friend karina from brooklyn new york who is a woman who is fantastic and is learning to ride in the wall so that's something to look at too and and again hot harley nights is going to be breaking in some new motorcycles that we have built for the 115th anniversary of harley really? you know the inaugural job that we're going to use to test some of these bikes and you know, it adds, obviously, the element of danger is always there, and that's what people are attracted to. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, it is it is a race for life. It's going to be good. So tell us about the, you're introducing, uh, designing motorcycles. How'd that happen? What- well, typically in our Wall of Death motorcycle stunt show, um, we have ridden uh, my old 1927 Indian Scout. And for years, I've been getting hired at Harley dealerships. And there's, listen, we embrace life on two wheels. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's what Harley Davidson is about. There's some Harley's cross Harley's going to be at the there. forefront of the motorcycle industry for the rest of their life. And, uh, you know, we can get to one opinion on the other, but I feel that Harley Davidson, the reason Indian Motorcycle is able to resurrect they are the, the way they are today is because Harley mm-hmm. is success, you know, and... And as an American brand of motorcycles, that's what we embrace is love one, two wheels. So having said that, I just always wanted to trick ride and have the feature bike for my show when I'm at Harley dealerships to be a Harley. You know, typically we, we've ridden two-stroke Harleys, mm-hmm. but never the sound, the heartbeat of a V-twin engine, mm-hmm. you know. And not only that in our show, but we have a pre-show demonstration where we showcase our Harleys and, and show how much trustworthy they are because we are doing some some stunting on them so. yeah well that's so other than the the race in the wall of death mm-hmm. wh- so what other kinds of things can we see when we come out um man we Rollers. can see we jimmy can help us out yep you got that. well for for Rhett's show there he has a bunch of bikes on display out in front of the wall of death and, absolutely you know he like he said um be more than happy to educate people on them and talk about them um, you have some really cool rollers that you have your bikes on that you're that you're showing. We you're have showing. a freestyle rollers day demonstration where we actually do a demonstration of all the freestyle trick riding you'll see in our show. So what you see is Ryan and I riding in unison on the stage. Now, I guess to me it's probably not a big deal, but to most it is. I trick ride a 2013 um, 48 
which is a sportster model they have. I'm riding this thing 20 foot up in the air doing hands-free <laughs> freestyle riding. So, And the bike's just know. not – he's it's on rollers. It's, it's riding, so yeah, it's about 40 mile an yeah. hour. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. You know, and, so and, like he says, it's not a big deal to him, but it's a big deal to everybody else. So. Yeah. Visually, it's very uh, appealing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rhett Giordano, he uh, is the focus of Rhett Rotten Wall of Death, and uh, they'll be performing at JNL Harley Davidson up on 60th Street North, all part of Hot Harley Nights. Which when's the when's the big main event parade well, and all that? Yeah, the uh, the event is the 12th through the 14th. So Thursday, like Rhett said, we're going to be kicking it off. Um, Starting from five until eight p.m. is our family night, so we want to. Incur- we're uh, a lot of the our area sponsors. It's like a touch a truck event, mm-hmm. good to event for kids. We'll have uh, some characters there for the kids, and just a lot of stuff going on that evening. And Rhett will be riding. Um, and then Friday is the dealership party. Uh, we want everybody to come on out, visit the world's lar- or the region's largest ride-in motorcycle show. Mm-hmm. We have some great music by Sugar Daddy, uh, live and silent auctions going on. All proceeds go to the Make a Wish Foundation. And then on Saturday is the <laughs> casino run, um, and then. Then we have the parade leaving JNL at 5:30. Um, the parade's going to leave JNL. Mm-hmm. It's going to head down Westport. It's going to hit Russell. It's going to go to Kiwanis. It's going to go to 12th Street, and it's going to go in the south entrance of the fairground. So the parade's actually longer than what it has been in the past. Yeah, but it ends up in a different spot. Ends up That's in a different it. spot, and, and we're then the big concert. Saturday big concert. Night. We're going to have the Ron Keel Band rocking out. Yep. We're going to have uh, Whiskey Rich, and then a f- the F Sawyer Brown. It is a free show. Also, we got a hold of the Siouxland Car Council. We're going to have some classic cars on display and a lot of vendors, your favorite uh, beverages, you, awesome. you name it. It's a great party, all for Make-A-Wish. Jimmy Enneman of JNL Harley-Davidson, Rhett Giordano of the Rhett Rotten Wall of Death. Guys, thanks a lot for coming you in. Bet. I really appreciate it. HotHarleyNights.com. Thanks for having us. <laughs> we'll be right back with the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. By the way, Rhett wanted me to tell you, follow him, Rhett Rotten on Instagram and official Rhett Rotten on Facebook. You can see photos of the wall of death. Coming up on the show tomorrow, well, there's a baseball game at 1210. We'll see how it goes. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.